Hey, hello, it's me, Jake. It's the podcast. You're listening. You did it. I did it. It's on. It's on. It's episode 205. That's a lot of episodes. Thank you. I mean, I did it, but you also did it. Because if if I was doing this without you listening to it, well, you don't know what I've been up to. There could be there could be hundreds of these that I made and just threw in a box. But this is the one that you get to hear, 205. And I've got a guest. And what else is happening? Oh, I like to start off. I put play this music, and then I say, "Hey, I'm going to be in Cleveland, Ohio, in June, and also in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Cleveland, I'm going to be at Hilarities, and Pittsburgh, I'm going to be at the Improv, and then I'm also doing a gig in Great Barrier, Massachusetts. What?" What more details would you want? Go to jakethis.com and you can see all the details about those things and click on things. You can buy tickets. You can know all the things that you want to know. Um, and then my guest today, Kostaki Economopoulos, also a comedian who has <laughs> gigs. And so I invite you, as I play some other background music, which you can't hear, okay. to talk about some of the gigs you've got coming up. Oh, okay. Uh... I'm going to be in Decatur, Illinois in June. I'm going to do a cruise ship on Norwegian this summer in July. I'll be in Nebraska in August. In September, I'm going to be in uh, Indiana. And you can find out about all those things at Kostaki.com. I went to Kostaki.com. <laughs> it's one of the many advantages of being named Kostaki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you were able to get Kostaki.com. Right. Yeah, Jake.com was owned by some guy who's got a fishing boat. And really? I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't able to get that. I wasn't able to get Jake.com. Kostaki.com used to be a, uh, a crummy homepage by a, a Greek who emigrated to Australia. He had pictures of his kids and stuff. <laughs> a lot of Greeks go to Australia. Did you know that? There are a lot of Greeks in Australia, right? Yeah, when I was in Melbourne last year at the comedy festival, it was the, I, was, I did shows in the Greek Center. Right, like there's, more, I think there's more Greeks. Well, not not than there are in Athens, but there's more. They the, have the second stat. most mo, the second most place where there's a lot of Greeks is they have is that. Australia yeah. someplace. Right, you hear that stat? It's like they fight with Astoria for number two number of Greeks or something. Yeah. Astoria Queens. Yes, that's another place where there's a lot of Greeks. Tons of Greeks and comics actually. <laughs> The story is the Valley of New York, right? It's close to the thing without being in the thing. But is it not nice? It's less nice, but it's okay. I mean, I'm not trying to take... I'm not trying to <laughs> badmouth the Valley, because I think the Valley is... Well, I lived in the Valley for years. What made you leave the Valley? Uh, going oh, that's to New York. So important. Yeah, we, I, I lived out here for about eight years, and then I've been in New York about eight years, so... I feel like I'm having a, a well-rounded comedy experience. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Those are the places that you can go. Yeah. L.A. and New York. Those are the two big places. Yeah. Are you loving New York right now? It's it's a great scene, isn't it? I. It's funny. I always said about L.A., I love the climate, and I hate the rest of it. And I feel the opposite about New York. I hate the climate so much, and I love the city. I love the walkability of New York. And yeah. I love that it's got some guts and not everybody's in show business and there are other things going on there. See, that's the thing about <laughs> L.A., though. Not everybody here is in show business. It's easy to think that everybody's in... A lot of people are in show business and you can wind up, wind up with them all the time and you can come to this weird conclusion that everybody's in show business and also you can come to the conclusion that you are not as successful as you actually are. Right. Because there's really successful people that you might be brushing right. up against. That's true. Part of my anti-LA vibe is totally the timing of my life and what happened when I was here. So LA hurt my feelings professionally, but that's not LA's fault. <laughs> you know, like, it is LA's fault. I that's came, where you're wrong. I came here to be a comedy writer as the reality boom was hitting and all the comedy writing jobs were going away. So, so what year would that have been the beginning 2000s? Yeah. Or no, mid to mid. So if you've been in New York eight years, then that means you were here 2000, 2008. Yeah, and I was a, I was like a really good middle act flying back to Indiana for $600. Like, it was just like, my timing was bad for me. Yeah. But I like, I mean, my wife loves L.A., and, you know, this week we've so enjoyed it. And I'm like, you know, all Maybe right. you're coming back to L.A. Maybe I can get over some of these feelings. <laughs> well, except... Well, now now we're going way out of order with your with your life story. That's all right. I don't know. We don't have to do your life story, but I thought it, I, I'm interested in your life story because, um, well, because I'm interested in people's life stories. Who isn't? But 
you are younger than me, an amount that now in our in my life doesn't seem significant. I mean, obviously to you right. it seems significant because right. you got ten years to go, but to me, right. to, you got the ten years that I already ate. Yeah. I ate those; <laughs> they were great. You're going to love them. Um, but uh, but it's interesting now because we're both at this at this kind of second life. Yeah. What 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 do we what do you do now? We're kind grown of ups. Point. Yeah. Yeah. We're grown ups. Yeah. Especially yeah. in show business, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you started in the South. I think I first saw you when we worked together in Raleigh at Charlie Goodnights, but I could be wrong about that. Oh wow! That's what I want to say because I know my parents have seen you, and that was a place where they used to go. Is it possible you were there briefly, or I was there briefly? It might have been you just did a guest set. It might have been that, because I think the first time we ever had like a real week was D.C., and then we wandered around, and it was Mm -hmm. like, we were like road buddies that week, and prior to that, you were just a guy that I liked from a distance. Yeah, well, that's how comedy works. You get assigned (laughs) a new best friend for a week. Yes. (laughs) I mean, and and I'm sort of into that. I like it. Right. But I think to some outside observers, it can seem weird because you meet somebody and you're best friends for a week. And then so now, whenever you see them for the rest of your life, right? like, oh, that's my friend. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fr- a great way to see it. I like that. I, yeah, it is weird to civilians, but they don't understand what a small group of characters this is and how very specific your life is. Right. And that's what it is. It's that you've got, you may have just met your new best friend, but you have a, so much in common with them. It's like when you meet a complete stranger and you find out that you have a lot in common with them, except you know that it's going to happen. Right. You know, yeah, you know right. like I'm going to go to the club and I mean, meet somebody that I don't know. Well, I've got a ton of stuff in common with. Right, yeah. And yeah. all of the things that people who haven't done this would never would never occur to them. But, like, we've all had the experience of driving forever to get to a place, and it's locked when you get there. You know, mm-hmm. like, the club is no longer open. And the, Oh, I haven't had that one in a while. It's been a long time now, of course. Now we're grown-ups. But it's happened to all of us at some yeah. point. yeah. And the eating it, and the killing, and the road, and the process, and the joke that you love that you just can't make work no matter what, and the joke you barely wrote down that somehow sings, and Mm -hmm. there's so much to it that's so specific. And have you, (laughs) you came out here to be a writer at the terrible sitcom time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was not as great of an idea as you had thought. It didn't go the way that you had hoped. Right. And that's when you decided to move to New York. Well, the well, but you would have been well underway when you came out here. Yeah. Like you say, you were you were getting some gigs, but not the kind of gigs that would pay. It's hard to do the transportation and accommodation. If you lived in the Midwest, the gigs were good. Right. And what I never have done still to this day, which I should have done somewhere along the line, is just live in the Midwest where I go tell jokes every time. <laughs> you know, like Because most of my gigs are now driven by a Bob and Tom audience, and that's where they are. Uh huh. And Bob and Tom, if you're listening to this and you don't know who Bob and Tom are, <laughs> they are a very successful radio team out of Indianapolis. But that's a secret because they seem like they're your local right. morning show in, I don't know, dozens of cities. 120 ish? Yeah, that's yeah. roughly 10 dozen cities. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, the short version of my story is I grew up in Atlanta, and I was doing, you know, I would, like, draw a circle around Atlanta, anything that was, like, a 12-hour drive, and I would send VHS tapes to those mm-hmm. 50 clubs, and that would turn into four gigs, you know? Yeah, well, because the other 46, <laughs> they would tape their favorite show over your comedy. <laughs> I mean, I, it took me a while to realize that's what was going on. <laughs> you know, I I had a great moment later. Comics are always pissed that uh, club owners only watch the first seven seconds or something and then pull the tape out. Like, that was always the rumor when I was uh, kind of coming up in comedy. And it always angered me, right? Cut to a decade later, I'm in Lewis Lee's office at Acme in Minneapolis, and he's got a wall of tapes. And I had a free afternoon, and I started putting some in. I would pull those things out so fast. I'm like, nope. <laughs> you can tell that they're going to be... Well, there's the ones that are just like that don't get you right away. And you do want to give them a little more than seven seconds, I yes, think. Yes, yes. But then 
for a while, you you were just down at Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite places. And if you're listening to this and you come to L.A., you should do yourself a favor and drive to Hermosa Beach to go see a show on a Friday, Saturday yep. um, down there. But the guy who was booking the place years ago, and I, I, I think it was Gary Brightwell, but I, I'm, and I don't think I'm throwing him under the bus, but he had a highlight reel of the best of the worst oh. of those demo tapes. Like guys who <laughs> were trying to get a gig at this really fairly prestigious, like only the big names comedy club, right. comedy club, and some of the people who were trying to get the job were doing <laughs> like they would do a tape in their living room where they would co- they'd have drapes on the sliding door to their balcony, and yep. somebody would open the drapes and they'd come through. And then shut the drapes and then do their set in their living room to know there's no audience, just the camera. And that was, they were going to get the, they were going to get the gig from that. Yeah. Bauer showed me one from this year that was a woman on stage in some nightclub, clearly not a stand-up environment, doing a few jokes, falling off the stage by accident, climbing back on the stage and doing a few more jokes. That was her demo tape that she sent to him. (laughs) Why? Oh my God! (laughs) You could make another one where you don't fall off the stage, but you feel like, oh, these jokes are pretty good. This one's magic. And the part where I fall off the stage is pretty funny. (laughs) I mean, was Bowers at all? He was probably tempted to hire her (laughs) in a way, you know, just to have her out to see what would happen fall off the stage yeah so do yourself a favor if you're putting together if you're listening to this and you're thinking about getting into comedy i wish you a lot of success but (laughs) only send a tape if it's perfect that's what i that's the advice that i would give everybody only send a tape that that you think is perfect or or is close to the bet like every part of it is good the beginning is good the end is good the middle is good right there's no jokes that don't go over there's no no weird sound system where oh you can hear me but you can't hear the audience no nope. that's not gonna because the first nope. thing that they're gonna say <laughs> is the thing that you already know is wrong and then you're gonna say oh i knew that was wrong and they're gonna go well you shouldn't have sent it if you knew that was wrong <laughs> yep good advice good advice jack yeah so now, uh, so is Bob and Tom still? Because Bob, Bob's gone. I feel like that's the cat's out of the bag. There, <laughs> these are people who don't know who Bob and Tom is. <laughs> then you're in trouble. But Bob and Tom, hugely successful. I, I remember that we were having, I think, online a conversation where you were saying, "Oh, Jake, you your thing was doing Letterman. My thing is doing Bob and Tom." Uh. And I think you could make an argument and i would even make an argument that in some ways bob and tom could be more successful to your career in in terms of an appearance equating to tickets sold yeah that's interesting you know well they're not even close in terms of prestige and you know well no but but i'm just saying in terms of you like the experience that yeah the, the experience of doing letterman is is great. I've enjoyed my times on Bob and Tom, and I wouldn't say anything bad about those times, but the experience of doing Letterman is pretty yeah. big and prestigious. But then the result that you're trying to get is people to be interested and want to be fans enough to come out to see right. you live. Right. Here's the difference. If they love you on Letterman, like, I mean, you're the, you're the paradigm of being loved on Letterman, you could do the show how often? Every 10 months? Yeah, for, there was a little while while I did where I did two times a year, but by by the time he was at CBS, it was once a year. Right. Yeah. And Bob and Tom, I could do thirty times a year, and maybe you're talking to the same number of people. Right. 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 So they're really so that's the it's difference. A deeper, it's a deeper. It's just a sheer numbers thing. You could mm-hmm. do it more often. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's been great for me, and for whatever reason, you know, television for me has been like meh. And radio was like, come on! So I didn't plan it this way, but my path has been very much the path of least resistance, and I'm doing a ton of radio. Do you do other radio shows besides Bob and Tom? Yeah, I do a segment called Quick Snaps. It's topical NFL jokes, and I call about 20 stations every week that aren't Bob and Tom. And, of course, I call those guys, and they're 120 markets, and it's been great. It's like a little cottage industry. So, you know, that's been... Again, I wouldn't have planned this from the beginning, but I've sort of backed into this path, and it's 
it's a model that works. I get to do something I love, and they pay me a little bit for it, and it builds the brand so that people buy tickets eventually to come see me live. And do people do you find people come to see your live show? So that quick snaps thing, if you're not in a place where you're listening to that on the radio, that's also a podcast that right. you do. Right, So you can go to wherever you get this podcast, and that podcast will be also a podcast that you can listen to. That's right. If you need more... Let's say you've got a spare 45 minutes a week where you'd like, you'd like, what the hell am I going to do with that time? I love football, and this Kostaki guy seems pretty nice. Well, I just solved your problem. There, boom. We try to keep it up to 35-ish. We try to keep it tight. We do once a week during the mm-hmm. season and about once a month in the off-season, and it's topical jokes and some guy talk, and, you know, I can't believe this is what happened on Sunday, mm-hmm. and it's fun. I really, it's been... Football's always been like a guilty pleasure of mine, and I turned it into my job, which is nice. And do people, when they come to see you live, do you, is there football talk? Yeah, it depends how many people come to see me live, you know? You know, I mean, sometimes you're How talking, many of the audience are, for, are those percentage, people? percentage, right. Yeah, yeah. So if it's a big percentage, I'll do a bigger chunk of football. And most of my act isn't football. Most of my act is about me and my kid and my wife and my life and my crazy thoughts and... You know, but I'll do a big football chunk depending on how much they want it from me. Mm-hmm. And how often are you going on the road nowadays? I got the kid every other weekend, so I try to go all the other ones. So I kind of have a nice balance right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's what I'm, I, I usually, my goal is usually two weekends a month. Yeah. But it's not always, I think that if I had to bank it every other one, it would get a little trickier because at this point it's like, hey, when when you want me to come, I want to come. Right. And then I try and limit it to two weekends a month. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's always, <clears throat> it's always a tricky balance. And sometimes we'll take the kid if there's a great gig and I still want to say yes. The kid comes with and sometimes, you know, I'll be right. off and not get a gig and that's and you nice guys, too. you and your ex, are both in New York, so that's that's right? true. Yeah. yeah. So About if you came back here, apart. that yeah. would be slight. That would be a little bit of a tricky one. Yeah, there'd have to be a really good reason, and we'd probably both have to come. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, we're we're all trapped in a great city together. <laughs> that's the short trap. I like the sound of it. Now you and your. It's, do you mind if I say who your ex is? I, yeah, do, do, I, yeah, we, sure. we don't have to, but um, she's also a very funny comedian, Caroline Ray. Agreed. Yes. And <laughs> do you guys get along all right? Obviously, you must get along. You got to get along for a kid. Yeah, we're we're doing our best. It is a challenge sometimes. It's a challenge to get along with the wife that you're married to. So, <laughs> good point. Just imagine <laughs> if you're not married to that imagine. person and you have to get along with them because you have a kid. So you have to be able to at least right. be a civil human being and do that. Right? Indeed, indeed. One thing we have definitely nailed is the geography. Mom's about a hundred yards away. The school's another hundred different yards away, and so there's a nice little triangle. You guys are doing a sitcom. Why isn't that a sitcom? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, literally, it's a sitcom. It's potentially a sitcom. It's a reality sitcom. Two, I mean, come on. Two comics. Uh, Can you kid. get along that well? Can you get along that well that you could be doing a TV show about this thing and also making fun of the problems that you're having without having them become worse problems? I would problems? like to say yes. Okay. <laughs> well, in that case, I think I think we've solved a lot of your troubles. Oh, that's good. I'm, Thanks, I'm just you can you can your road your road to, is going to go up because you've got this TV show on now. You can, maybe you guys could do shows together where you first you go on or first she goes on and then the other per- one I don't want to uh-huh. get into it I like, this. Pros turn I like it the is, elevator but you pitch. go on one goes on the <laughs> other one goes on and then I come on and we do a kind of a Dr. Phil time where I get to be Dr. Phil I'm just trying to not that I'm trying to weasel into your reality <laughs> is show is this the but office is this the Dr. Phil office I also don't have a show so <laughs> I would like to get in on your show yes this could be the office obviously you would have to move here and recreate your hundred yards apart, or else I got to move to New York, and then that involves my wife and our kid. So this show is already getting—it's fully cast, it's very and it's just us and immediate family members. <laughs> it's great to see—I, you know—I don't want to overreport what your life is like, but it's great to see you in a grown-up environment doing very well as a as a person off the stage. You know, you were one of my heroes always, and it's like, oh well, that's very nice. It's nice to see you at you know later in the arc, like oh things are still good for jake it's really cool there's not that this is the end but there's a happy middle 
It's there's a happy late middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of I mean, my life. Right. I mean, yeah. No, I'm loving it. I, that's very nice of you to say. And that was one of the things I wanted to talk about today. Also, yes, I love my family. I love where I live. This our house is nice, and this office is idiosyncratic. And oh, it's uh, so great. Quite. Uh, <laughs> I yes, I could spend a lot more time in here than I do. And as you can see, I must be spending a lot of time in here. But just to bring all this crap in here <laughs> has taken a lot of time. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk about was, and and I feel like this is something that I feel like I've got to say, and something that you probably have to say too, to younger comics who are thinking about their career and where they're going. And, you know, we all think, I think at the beginning that we're going to be, you know, whatever, Robin Williams or Dave Chappelle or... Louis C.K. or or Jerry Seinfeld, right. you know, we all have yeah. that as our definition of success. And I don't think you kind of even consider, well, why would you consider like, oh, I would be happy if I was just me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, right. but I am just me and I am happy. And I think that in in that sense, it's, it's tricky to, to like how... I'm I'm assuming that you feel the same way about yourself. Yeah, I think it's funny. I was just talking to um a radio guy about this last week and he said, "So what do you what happens now? What do you what are your what do you want to be?" And I said He said, "What was the, you know, what was the goal from the beginning?" And like you said, it's funny you said it almost the same way. I go, "My goal from the beginning was to be George Carlin." But there's only about 10 people who get to be that. So then plan B is to figure out a way to be a comedian and reach the people to let them know that you're a comedian so that they come see you on purpose, right? So it's, yeah. the, mm-hmm. so it's the next tier down of the dream, which is ultimately most of the key ingredients of the dream anyway. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> right. That is the challenge now to me in terms of of live dates and and i'm saying this now to whoever's listening who might be interested or able to help but one of the things that i'm trying to figure out how to do is to come to towns and cities come to places where i may have come historically but there where there may not be a comedy club that's interested in having me there for the whole weekend experience so how can i come for a night or two and do a show for between a hundred and 300 people um, and get them, get them out. We'll all have a great time. And that's, that's enough for me to be able to come. And all I need is someone in that city to say, yes, I will help you to, to generate enough interest to get a hundred people out at 20 bucks a head. And, and we'll figure out how to do it. Cause I'm trying, I think now, especially with social media, there's ways to do that. And and the other thing that I would say about what you just said in terms of being George Carlin, I mean there's all the all the what it seems like to be George Carlin from the exterior part. Oh, right. But then there's what we know when we go to a comedy club to meet our new best friend <laughs> for the week is that you and that guy and George Carlin are all standing on a stage, talking to an audience, listening to them react and having, everybody's having a good time. I'm talking about what I think right. is funny and people are laughing. And so from from the standpoint of what it's like to be George Carlin when he's on stage having a great show, we are we are doing that. And, yeah. I, and I think, I mean, even really successful comedians would be lying if they didn't say that the most fun live appearance is is in that 100 to 300 seat room yeah you know there's right. a reason that louis ck is doing sets of the comedy cellar in front of 89 people or whatever right yeah that's right i think you're right you, you said it in a very similar way that's how i feel about it it's most of the trappings of what the goal <laughs> were from the beginning are absolutely intact mm-hmm. it's going and being a cowboy on the road and writing the jokes and getting your head straight and figuring out the new thing and giving them most of what you've polished and worked on and you build this sort of beautiful moment and it goes away in the ether and you go do it again somewhere else. I, I love it. I've always loved it. I have too. I, and the, the, so I'm, I'm trying to think <clears throat> of this question that, that people ask all the time, you know, 
especially people who are interviewing you on the road and and there's something to it that they're trying to ask, but it's sort of a BS question that, that you know, to like doesn't make you doesn't make you depressed that you're on the road. You're still working these comedy clubs, or or isn't it tough traveling and doing all that other stuff? And it's not. the 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 premise is is complete crap because <laughs> when I'm on stage and going to do that show, it feels right. like I I feel the same as if I were George Carlin or Jerry Seinfeld now, and you may be listening to this thinking, oh, these guys are deluded, <laughs> you know, because they're not that. But I'm saying, no, it, it actually feels real. That's not a rationalization story that I'm telling myself. Right. But there is, there is an element to that question of truth, which is, you know, how do you keep... What's your secret to keep your mind right and to hold on to that I'm George Carlin thing, you know, not not in a rationalization way, but like, do you, are there things that you do in your life? Do you have an exercise regimen or do you meditate or, or what do you do to kind of... You mean to stay positive about it all? Well, stay positive <clears throat> and to keep generating right. material and to enjoy that connection that you have to the audience even though it's you've done it so many times yeah i mean i for me it's easy because i really love the process like i really love the act of going to a place i've never been and gathering this hodgepodge group of characters and building them into a group that's sharing a common experience and Mm -hmm. so i really like it i would like what i do i wish that it was maybe in a nicer place, or there was a bigger group of these characters, or there was more money at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, but yeah, no, I didn't want to. I didn't want to get into that because I feel like that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that 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 they always want to put but on you because really... I don't think that I think of course, of course. Look, would it be nice if it's fun <clears throat> to have a hundred dollars? Would you? How great would it be to have a thousand dollars? Yes, of course, of right. course. But as soon as you, once you're supporting yourself and you've got a life, that I was more talking about like you've always been a. I think a pretty conscientious writer, like you're always writing and working on new stuff. Yeah, a I notebook try to be. And, I'm hot cold, but yes. <laughs> yeah. What's your writing regimen? It's tricky because I've, I've, I have been putting so much energy into the radio bits. Those are very labor intensive. How do you, how do you approach that then? If you've got an appearance on Bob and Tom, what, how do you, what do you do to prepare for that? So I have, I have a cycle that I've built. There's a, <clears throat> I do, I do some Monday afternoon radio calls, uh, and I do the podcast on Monday evening. So Sunday, I am writing and writing and watching the NFL headlines and watching the games. And there's there's usually a handful of big stories that come out of the weekend, and those are the ones that the ESPN and the people who are football fans are talking about. So I'm trying to write jokes on those subjects. Mm-hmm. And Sunday night, sometimes it's terrifying. I'm staring at a blank page with four decent premises on it, and I'm like, I need 20 of these. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you know, and I write, 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 write all night, Sunday night. Monday, I rewrite. My poor wife gets to hear all the jokes and helps me cut out the bottom third. Uh, I'm rewriting. A friend of mine sends me some jokes. We put them all together, and then I'm doing those on the afternoon shows on Monday to help winnow them down and tighten them up for Tuesday morning. Then Tuesday I call Bob and Tom and another 15 stations all over the place. And by the end of Tuesday afternoon, they're fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they're done. And they're done. Well, that's it. They've, they've, <laughs> they've flown the nest, right? right. They're done. Do, right. Now, some of those, I suppose you could use that weekend on a, if you were on stage. But yeah. And occasionally there's, there's a story that has legs, like whatever. Johnny Menzel is kind of a story for a couple years. Well, know? okay. Pretend I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. So uh, that's part of the craft too, is to try to not go too far afield that you're leaving people out who don't follow the game closely. So yeah. My goal was always have the brother who loves football really love the segment, and the brother who doesn't know football still can follow the segment. Right. You know, which is kind of how I was trying to do stand-up, too. You know, I want, I want to kill with the... You want, to, you want to let people know what you think is funny, and sometimes that requires a little more explanation than others. <laughs> sure, yeah. right. Yeah, you want to be accessible, but also true to yourself and not, you know... Mm-hmm. You don't want to dumb it down too much. You, you right. got to find the balance. But, but I still, I, and this is just for my own personal benefit. <laughs> Who's Johnny Menzel? Oh, okay. 
he won the Heisman Trophy. He was like the biggest thing to ever come out of college, and he went mm -hmm. to the pros, and he was drinking and beating up his girlfriend and completely fell apart. He was a big story for a couple of years. And mm -hmm. he, fell. he was the number one selling jersey when he came in. And now he's gone. Now he's gone. So and he's trying who's to make Johnny Manziel is, in fact, <laughs> the story? <laughs> he owns the phrase Johnny Football. Why? Because Johnny Bench was taken? Huh? These are the jokes, everybody. Oh, I get it. Because he would be Johnny Bench because he on the bench because he wasn't as good as they thought he was going to be. Right. I think I know how jokes work, but I... <laughs> That one happened so quickly that it's I too, you didn't I wasn't was expecting it. That was yeah. my fault. I want to do over. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So I and put, just if you're listening, Johnny Bench is a famous <laughs> baseball player from who was a catcher, years and ago. he was very successful. Right. Um, <laughs> he did not ride the bench. <laughs> Johnny Menzel had some problems with the, you know, he had some addiction issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. What was he into? A lot of different things, but mostly drinking, apparently. So that was one of the lines, too. Like He's supposed to be a rushing quarterback, but he can't seem to finish 12 steps. <laughs> oh. Uh. I know. There's some... Yeah. I hear, no, I hear, it's nice. I hear what you said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I feel like... You got to know the backstory of, and also I don't. I'm having so many feelings at one time right now because I, totally, I know so I many people saying. who've suffered with addiction. I and totally uh, hear what you're saying. I'm not sure that I want to make fun of the 12 step program, I, but I feel like I also know how jokes work. And yes. Uh, yes, it's a very good joke. But on the other hand, if you took 12 steps in football, that would be a pretty good run. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, run. if you were going straight forward, that could be over. That'd be a first down. I want to go back in time and not do any of these jokes because you don't have the context of the story of the kid he's a really cocky rich kid who left practice early he's just he's very easy to dislike right so there's a lot of angst it's about amazing a kid like that. how many <laughs> professional athletes are easy to dislike and especially football football is america's number one sport right easy yeah. right it's that nascar thing two. that that was going to take over that was a complete Basketball's fabrication come back a little bit but yeah there's a big drop but it's off football right two. Yeah. and those guys well how can you be that big and that strong i mean First of all, they're gone. They're on a natural kind of testosterone, right? Just to be able to work out that hard and do their thing. But they're also taking whatever is legal and whatever they can think they can get away with, which can't be enhancing their ability to get along right. with others. And to be fair, for every Johnny Manziel, there's 50 guys who are keeping their heads down and doing their jobs and not beating anybody up and being Could you name good just humans. a couple of them? <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. There's a bunch of those guys, but they're not newsworthy, right? And also, to be fair, these are people whose lives are very strange. Because if you're a professional-grade athlete, you were a superstar when you were 10. Mm -hmm. You were a big deal in middle school. You were a big deal in high school. You were a big deal right. in college. And at every phase, you were kind of eased through. You got the benefit of the doubt. They didn't make you write the papers or whatever, you know. And then they give you a giant pile of money and a lot of lights and pressure and hope you don't lose your mind? I mean, I can't believe more of them aren't a mess. And as much as they try and tell them, look, this isn't your life isn't going to be like this forever, everybody makes that mistake who becomes successful. Right. Or the biggest mistake that people make who become successful in any field is, I'm, I'm always going to make this much or more forever. Right. And so then there's often a sad ending that happens when people, when they're young, like under 40, and it's right. like, oh, you blew through all that money. Right. Yeah, it's hard to believe. There's, yeah. a, there's a couple of really good documentaries about that. It's, yeah. a, it's a freakishly high percentage. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but <clears throat> the number of professional athletes that wind up bankrupt within five years of finishing is staggering. Yeah, well, showbiz, that happens to showbiz. It's not just MC Hammer. No. Right. There's other... <laughs> to, the, he's not quite as old as Johnny Bench, but uh, <laughs> just to bring up a, an example. Of so to answer your question, it's hard for me in the season because I put so much creative energy into building the segments and making the calls and doing the thing that helps to move the tickets for when they come to see the other thing. Right, so, so and, and unlike just preparing for a regular Bob and Tom appearance that I might be doing where I'm going to be doing something either from my act or something that could be eventually part of my act or, right. or something that's topical and similar to something that I'm doing in right. my act, this is a very specific, tailor-made thing. different thing, right. Yeah. So I have to, 
I got to stay focused and still work on my act too, which yeah. is hard during the season because I'm traveling and I'm getting up early and doing radio and I'm working on the thing and I'm freaking out on Monday and I'm, you know, there's so many cycles to it that Tuesday afternoon, I don't want to work on my act. I don't want to go tell jokes. I want to rest and hang out with my kid. You know? Yeah, we don't have to on Tuesday, but then weekends at comedy clubs, if that's, if you are you doing comedy clubs? I looked at your website and it looked like you were doing some different alternative venues. It and- varies wildly. I, I've sort of, because of this strange sort of Bob and Tom universe that I'm in, I can go build and do self-produced shows in like music venues and, you know, the swings are bigger, but when it clicks, you know, that's so great, you mm-hmm. know, uh, creatively and financially. And even if financially it doesn't work, there's still... 60 people that come to see me on purpose and they're into the show it's a creative well that's and that's where i'm at i i want to start doing shows like that and i can afford to financially if i as long as i can pay for my airfare my hotel i can take the the risk the risk right but uh, you know ideally you want everything to work out but even when it's even when it's a financial not a success if you have 60 or 100 people there, and 100 is borderline, maybe you could make it depending on the deal you've made with the venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, uh, but, right. but you have 60 people there who are loving the show. That can still be creatively satisfying. Right. You might still come up with some new jokes right. during no, the show. I, I yeah. love those. And sometimes there are 450 people at, at the other end of the right. swing. And then... Not only is it creatively fantastic, at the end you're counting money like a rock star. So, how do you pick your venues? There's a big swing because how do you pick your cities and your venues? For me, it's very it's very specific. I I it's all about the Bob and Tom affiliate. If the affiliate is excited about building the show with me, let's do it. Because, then you go to the town and do the because thing. I'm a symbol of the national show to them, and so they're excited about promoting it, and I get more love and promotion than I could ever buy, mm-hmm. and and I'm talking to people who already know and like me, you know, so it's a, it's a win, win, win. The only downside of those is that they're very labor intensive to put together. Yeah. There's a bar owner who's a flake and that, you know, oh, they were going to sell the tickets, but then the other guy said you can't and there's that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you got to find a way to you got to find a way to to shoulder as much of that if you're going to do brown paper tickets or something right. like that. To, yeah, there's all those logistics. So things. You have that stuff. It's funny because you think comedy comedy club owners are idiosyncratic. I mean, they're kook. They're as kooky as comics are. Yeah, that's you know. Fair. Yeah, and <laughs> and you sort of think, oh well, I'm gonna if I'm gonna I'm gonna do something besides comedy. Look. Bar owners, if you're going to a bar, those people are as crazy as comedy club owners because they have never even had to put to... They just got to order booze right. and to get those posters for St. Patrick's Day. Right. That's all they got to do. So the, the, the amount of freaks that can get away with that are, is high. Right. And then, but then you can get into these little theaters and stuff, and some of those people are great, and some of them are... Ever, I mean, exactly human beings right. are idiosyncratic. Exactly right. You could probably... You could probably get away with sort of doing the theater level. For me, I got to avoid owing someone money for the venue before we start. So I'm one. I could do it if I knew it was going to work out, but I can't. I mean, I feel like I but need to be the, in a. Those yeah. are the relative steps, right? Yeah. So for me, I've learned that I can pull off a tiny theater, but it's too risky. I'd rather go to the music venue where they just want 200 beer drinkers and they're not charging yeah, me to yeah. be there. No, that's what I want to do too now. So in that situation, then even if the whole all the wheels fall off, all you lose is the flight. Yeah, and are they sitting <laughs> down? Do they have seats in the music venue? Usually. <laughs> What's it like to do a show for people who are standing up? I've, yeah, sometimes they don't pick that. They sometimes don't what? It, if they don't know that's going to happen, it could be bad. But if they're if they accept that that's part of the deal, then it's great. Oh, you mean the audience shows up and then it's like, hey, you're standing up, and they're like, what the hell? Right. Then, then you got a couple. Of then you got to get over that hump. Yeah, and I've only had a couple where they're standing at all. You don't want that's not plan. A. You don't want it. It's not plan A. It's not a good idea <laughs> no, no. for those of you who are planning to produce your own comedy shows at home. We've this gone down a little bit of a side road maybe. on the podcast. Right. Which two episodes did you listen to, by the way? I know it's McComas and Barrett. Yeah, Todd McComas has great 
cop stories. If so, you're listening to this and you haven't heard Tom McComas, you should listen to his two episodes. Well, so, you know, I'm a newcomer to the Jake podcast. I'm, I'm a long fan of Jake, but I'm like, why? Well, I'm going to go talk to Jake. I should listen to a couple of what Jake does, and I can't find a pattern between those two. Well, the ideal, you're the <laughs> ideal listener because you're a person who already knows me and likes me. Right. And so it will be for you like as, it will be like you're hanging out with me, only it'll be another guy pulling most of the weight. <laughs> Um, and so, the Barrett conversation was completely different, very heady and so weird. And like, did you listen to the recent one? Yes, yeah, very, about, com- very compelling. But yeah. I was like, well, I don't know. Am I going to go have a conversation like that? I guess I'm ready. Well, you can. <laughs> I feel like this is my problem with my podcast, is if it was about the NFL, I wouldn't know what I was doing. And, but then I'd have to prepare, and I'd have people who were here specifically for that. And I just don't know if I can take the pressure for that. So then, as opposed to that, it's this, which is me kind of talking to people who I like about things I want to talk about. And I think it's interesting, but it's hard to... Even if someone likes it, they're like, well, what is it? You can't tell someone else to like it. Right. It's funny. That's been my, arguably, that's been one of my problems my whole career. Like, what is your show about? Like, ah, I never had a good answer to that. Yeah. It's about a guy with a name that's kind of interesting, talking about things that are interesting to him. I don't know. You're really going to love it. I mean, and that's what my show is about, too. I feel like, oh, Maybe we should have been the angry guy, or I mean, Bruce Baum just put on a diaper. Yeah, and and that was his thing for a while. We knew who he was. Hmm. We knew what we were going to see when we yeah. when we saw yeah. that. Yeah. Where's Bruce Baum? I see him down at uh, every once in a while. He'll be down at Comedy Magic. Club. Really? Yeah, Bruce Baby Man Baum. I'm so if you're happy listening to, to this that. and you'd like to, I, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can see some clips on YouTube, even though they would be Bruce Babyman bomb. And he used to do in a Gata de Vida. Do you remember this? No. He had these two like paper bags, like your groceries come in and he would blow them up. So they were almost full of air. And then he, and he's into the diaper. He's already in the diaper. I think he starts off in his clothes and then he turns into baby man and he starts talking about baby man. So he's in the diaper. He's got the two bags kind of blown up with air. And then he does the, and it got a Davida drum solo on the microphone. So when you hit the microphone with a bag, it's like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty. I mean, it was a real. It was his closer. It was a showstopper. <laughs> it was like, oh my god, a guy's in a diaper just did a drum solo with two bags on the mic. I mean, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know why we even. Why are we going home? Why don't we just figure out where he's going? I'm compelled to go find that now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's the thing. We've, we're missing a diaper. I mean, there's a guy, Glenn Super, used to be Mr. Bullhorn. He had a bullhorn. Bullhorns are funny. I remember that. I went yeah. I, When I was in high school, I went to see Carlin once, and he was the opening act. Mm-hmm. I remember Mr. Bullhorn. Yeah. So you're the, you're the sports guy, and I'm the guy who's done Letterman a lot of times. And it's weird, yeah. We maybe need need some... We need to go to a branding meeting. Here I don't think we need branding. I just think we need... I just need a few of my... I'm pro, I just... I need you... Oh, God. I don't know what I need. I don't know. I How do we... I can't even get through this conversation now. I'm a little bit depressed. And I thought I was going to talk to you about how we're not getting depressed, and now I'm, I'm getting slightly no, depressed. No, you're misinterpreting the conversation. We, I am. We're you're dis- right. We discussed how great it is and how little there is a gap between me and George Carlin in yes. terms of experience. You guys are very similar. Do you do any... <laughs> so you're, so you're, you're, your writing muscle, you're mostly flexing for the NFL thing, so it's hard to to, yeah, keep, I, to stay focused for a new stand-up. How often would you say you turn over your stand-up act? That's a great question. I heard you talking about this with someone recently. Maybe it was Chick McGee. And this is... You, you're more my model. Like like when you go do festivals abroad, they want a new hour every time you come back. Yes, and they don't. Their expectations for it are much lower than ours, so it's doable. But I prefer the high expectation, turn it over slowly model. Yeah, yeah, like a new hour every two three years. Yeah, that's yeah. a better that's yeah. a better model. Well, that's a more natural rhythm for me, and also it's a more like. If I had to stop doing some stuff at the end of a year, it'd be like, hey, some clubs I haven't even been back to yet right. since the last time I did it. Right. I mean, these jokes, I'm not done loving them yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Yeah, and I, you're an inspiration for me in that regard. There was somewhere along the line we worked together, and 
I said some version of, oh my God, you have so many new jokes from the last time I saw you. And, and you said to me very simply, like, this is my only job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is my only job. And it was great because you meant it as a way to be sort of modest, but it was also like a lesson, like, hey, kid, st- don't fuck around. Work on your job, you know? Well, you do want to work on your job. I mean, if you're a comedian, I, I think young, you, the young comics know this more than us. I mean, the young comics now, are ba- they barely even get an hour together. They're turning it over. They're stopping doing jokes. I think specials are going to change now, you know, for the longest time. And and we were we're at the heyday right now of the Netflix hour special, right. you know, because for a while, Comedy Central they were going down to these half hour things, and then now we're back up to you got to do an hour special. But I think hour specials are getting to be like Letterman appearances, which is you know they're great and people watch them, but I don't know if they get people out there. Right. And I think we may go down to some new version of specials where it's like, hey, you get this. 10 minute chunk or 15 minute chunk that, or three minute chunk that's about one thing and you blow that out on your social media and then you bury it but that's the thing that gets people to come to your club maybe that's what's going to happen i don't know right yeah it's it's a moving ball and in the old days i mean this is what i've i've discussed with young guys now some version of this conversation i've had several times in the old days you had to you could do the tonight show and the next day you were famous that's gone the good news is you don't have to wait to be chosen by that guy. Right. There's so many more. It's it's always been get famous and sell tickets. Right. It's just now there's a there's there's the old ways to get famous don't work the, the same and right. there's a ton of new ways but they they work some you know it's like that it's like that thing with the crank where you try and win the stuffed animal at the amusement park where the crank the crank and the and the and the thing that lowers down and grabs the animal they don't exactly coordinate with each other right, right. that's show business that's a good that's a really good metaphor i love that but so the the bad news is you can't do one thing and then be successful the good news is there's a small d democratic way of doing it now you can go build your own thing you can have a crazy web series and you mm-hmm. can be the king of youtube and you can be the guy that you know, owns Twitter, and there's a thousand different ways you could be the guy that makes the funniest vines and whatever the next thing is. I have a quirky room where I invite people I know to come and have conversations that I think are interesting, <laughs> and uh, so far, that, I, I haven't completely ruled that out as a way, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a slower path than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but see, all right. Exactly. So I have, <laughs> I have a similar thing, and mm-hmm. but it's home base for people connecting with you. Yeah, yeah. And occasionally it turns into a Mark Maron kind of thing that it becomes its own thing, and that's enough of a thing. Well, but he he is he is an exact example, I think, of the George Carlin. I mean, I I think he deserves all of the success he has, but I think he would have been happy if he was selling out comedy clubs. Right. You know. I agree. Off of off of the that show yeah so right yeah i agree and 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 what we're talking about is just being able to go on the road and do these do do shows for a couple hundred people yeah in a little room just to do enough of those a year to kind of say hey i'm enjoying it you people are enjoying it to to all the people hey not only do i feel like george carlin all the people in the audience at the end of the show feel like they just saw a great show right you know we all had it was a fair trade yeah yeah absolutely that was the see for me i almost had the opposite expectation as a kid like when i was in college I just thought if I could make twenty thousand dollars a year telling jokes, that's all mm-hmm. I need. Yeah. And I literally remember doing my taxes at one point, like a couple years in, and that had happened. And I was I was by myself and I remember like raising up my fists and like, Yeah, I fucking made twenty thousand dollars telling jokes. Yeah, quit your day job. That's your greatest <laughs> day of show business for any entertainer. It's quit your best. day job. It's, it's just like, best. oh man, I won. And I see people all the time we have jobs that I'm like thankful that I don't have. I think of the world that way as I walk through it. I'm like, oof, I'm glad I'm not laying sod today. I'm glad I'm not. So some of it is the avoidance of the regular hard stuff that most people have. I don't mm-hmm. have traffic. I don't have office politics. I don't have corporate bullshit. I don't have, you know, I'm not getting up early. Going I feel to like thing the day when they're actually laying the sod, when they're rolling it out, that day is probably great. Like you, like... A lot happens that's very noticeable in a short amount of time, and that that part of laying sod is great. But the the days before that, where you're raking it out and getting it oh, level and putting in the pre, it's so yeah. hard on your back. 
I like jobs like that because at the end of it, there's something that's better than it was when you came there. Like it's, yeah. you're improving something. I, I was draw, I was always drawn to mowing grass for the same reason. Like when I, an hour later, this is going to look better than it does now. Mm-hmm. I like those kind of jobs. Yeah, those are great. But they're like I laid sod for three days when I was in high school, and I'm like, my grades got a lot better after that. I was like, I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't do this forever. Okay. I can see I fucked with the wrong guy on laying sod. <laughs> <laughs> when you said that, I thought it was just a thing you pulled out of the air. Oh it was no, like, no, I do not want to lay sod no, no. and i know why i don't that's want to how do i learned to be more disciplined with my writing <laughs> <laughs> so we're lucky we would yeah we are lucky it's great we are lucky i would love it if i mean i say this if <laughs> i say this to a lot of people who come on the podcast i want you to move to la and get into this neighborhood so we can hang out more um so what are the odds you're going to move back to los angeles I don't know. Not good. New York's a better place for me, probably. Yeah. Some of it's just the specifics of it's closer to the Midwest where I'm usually telling jokes. Yeah. You know? Well, I do. I would love to. Right before I got married, I was considering, you know, renting my house here out and going to live in New York for a year or two just because I never had that experience of. I've only been there doing Letterman and then going out and did a few sets and stayed a couple of days and right. had a great time. But I'd love to live there for a year or two and just go do those rooms in town and yeah. be part of that scene. It's cool. I'm glad that that's a part of my story. But I also, frankly, it's not my... I don't love it. I think New York's a little bit overrated for a comic. It's a lot of hustle for, you know, short sets here and no money there and... Mm-hmm. It's a lot of non-native English speaking audience. <laughs> Is that right? Sure. Yeah, sure. see that's the tough one to me now. <laughs> that that's that's why I'm interested in kind of doing my own thing for people who want to see me. Right. Is because it gets to be tricky to drag everybody across the finish line. And yeah. when you have non-English speaking people like why are you even in a comedy club? It's so it's I mean it's so about culture and to come from a different culture, even if your English is good, like what you, you can't, you know, right. Why are they in the comedy club? Is it that they made a mistake? That's what they all have in common. That's what all that, that's what the comedy club audience of today has in common. That I they think made a there's mistake. a, there's an association of American and New York standup. And when, when tourists come to New York and there's barkers out grabbing them and pulling them oh, into yeah. rooms, you know, that you get a lot of those kind of, Mm. And some of them are great. I, I don't mean that as a judgment against them. I just mean, like, in terms of having a cohesive comedy environment, it doesn't always click. Right, right, I see. You know, and, yeah. you know, sometimes you're on at some crazy hour and there's 14 people or four or... Yeah, I don't find New York to be as magical as comics make it out to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, it's a gritty real city that I love, and I walk to everything. And Is it still gritty now, even though it's a lot of rich people? Or do you live right in Manhattan? Yeah. Yeah, it's both. It's both. It's, it's yeah, it, really, it has everything. That's the beauty of New York. You know, mm-hmm. that's the part that I like about it. And from a practical point of view, if I'm calling Bob and Tom at 6.40 in the morning... It's you six, got a you got an hour. It's six forty in New York, yeah. which is not good, but it's better than three forty. Three forty, and then I'm ridiculous. on for the next six hours after that. Calling radio stations that starts at three forty here. Ugh, that would be brutal. Mm-hmm. So just from a practical point of view, my life in New York is probably. You should think about moving to London. It's I know. a great city. I should go further that time way. Zone. And then I could have... Because I've always complained. If, for whatever reason, in, in the American culture, we've accepted that morning radio is for talking and afternoon radio is for music. If we could just flip those, I would have the perfect life. Why? With the morning radio. Well, again, <laughs> I know I'm fighting an uphill battle with this talking to people I know about things I want to talk about in my spare room. But um, this is a way around that. Like, look, you can listen to this... I, we're doing it whatever time it is now, noonish. Right. But you can listen to this at 6 in the morning if you want. It's perfect. That's it's a free country. That's what's great about podcasting. I was pitching podcasting to my friend yesterday, and I said, look, I'm driving back from Hermosa Beach. I listen, and I love radio. I don't mean this as a dig against terrestrial radio, but I went through every station, FM and AM, didn't like anything, and then I just put my headphones in and listened to you and Greg Barrett talk. And it was great. 
you should listen to because we were talking about Alan Havy. You should listen to the Alan Havy ones because we've done a couple where we're driving down to Hermosa Beach <laughs> oh, really? to do a show, <laughs> and those are the best oh, odd couple ones, I think. And sorry, people who are listening to this now that you're listening to me plug another. This one is good. You're listening to a good one. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> can't take the complaining. What about what? So I just want to kind of go back to some of your because because like I say, I feel like we're at the same age and we're having similar kind of career things where we're loving our lives, but on the surface, it's not exactly that. You know, if you, just this is what kills me is to, to sit in a room and ask Dave Chappelle his secrets about life. I mean, actually, he's a bad example because I think he is doing stuff that just because he fucking wants to do it. Yeah, you know, he's doing midnight shows and dropping in at small clubs and having fun but uh, but sometimes when they get to, to ask jerry seinfeld hey what's the secret of being happy it's just like yeah well i i don't know that what he thinks the secret is, is going to be applicable to me so i'm i'm trying right. to ask you what you th- i want to ask you more questions like just as we're now coming to an <laughs> now hour <we're> done <laughs> like spit it out um what's the secret what do, do you have any secrets of being happy or do you do do you meditate I don't meditate. I've experimented with it, and I didn't love it. Do you do any regular exercise regimen? I exercise quasi-regularly. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship <laughs> to liquor and drugs? <laughs> do you enjoy them? I, I Now that I'm a grown-up, I love three glasses of wine and Netflix with my wife. I have such a grown-up taste for entertainment now. I just like to take it easy and not I love that you much. went right to three, because most people who are trying to be politically correct say two. <laughs> three is, like, a little wild, but you hit the hard, like, it's a out, three and done. Three's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Four is a little, like, you know, it might not feel so good the next day. Three's yeah, no, perfect. Yeah, I get it. Three dramatically improves your life, and then there's not too much to worry about the next day. <laughs> so that's your favorite, when you got a night off, three glasses of wine, Netflix with your wife. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things in the world, just laying in bed and flipping around and watching a little bit of this, and if this doesn't work, we watch that, or we'll find something and binge watch it for a month whenever we do those beats. Uh-huh. Love it. What's your latest favorite? Well, there's a couple that we sort of didn't love, love, love. Um this is us is our favorite favorite from recently. This is us. It's so good. Is that on Netflix? Or well, I have to check it out. Yeah, I don't need. We'll all the find details. it. I'll, I can. She'll coach you. This is us. Check it out, everybody. Yeah. Um, what are you watching? We loved Catastrophe. Haven't yeah. watched the third season yet. Um, Love that. Right now, we kind of got into the Americans, and I've watched the first season. Of, it's Russian spies in the 1980s in America, Kate, Kate undercover. Um, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I it's think a you're kind of say that. It's an interesting <laughs> show. Uh, well, we've gone through a lot of other stuff. There's a show called Fleabag on. Uh, I think that's on Netflix or Amazon Prime. That's really great, Fleabag. Huh. And uh, there's a show called River on Netflix. It's a English British cop show that Stellan Sarsgaard is the main detective. Highly recommend River. Wow. Yeah. All right. I got to write some of these down yeah. after. All right. Um, so happiness. I don't know. What do you? I think it's it's keeping a balance, right? You you have kid time. You have wife time. You have writing time. You have go on the road time it's keeping a balance with your life and staying yeah well do all the things yeah i definitely have seen guys make the mistake of going on the road either because they think they have to or or because they think they want to but they're on the road so long that it's like oh now this again and that's the worst so right. you want to you want to do everything the amount you want to try and keep stay in the want to right. area of yeah, your life that's a good way know? to say that i like that and i think we've we're doing that. We're doing that. I might be doing that too much. I mean, my life's pretty cushy right now. <laughs> like, you know, like. Well, I also kind of think, like, look how 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 rich do you want to be? I mean, that's right. when I first bought a house in 1990. I had to show them all the bank. You know, this is the gigs I've got coming up, and this is, and and I was trying to explain to them, like, look, I'm I work two weekends a month, and if I if I wound up in trouble with my mortgage, I could work four weekends a month, right. and I. I'm not going to not. I'm not going to not be able to pay my mortgage. And they were like, "Well, yeah, you say that you could, but if you could, then why don't you? Because you're not. So you're not. So you can't." And I'm like, "No, I would be crazy if I did that." But they don't get it. 
So I feel like now I'm at a point in my life where I'm trying to figure out, like, like what, what are the things I really enjoy and how much money do I need to be able to keep doing the things that I really enjoy and uh, right. what are some things that I really enjoy that I don't even realize? Like, I, I really like doing stand-up and so it doesn't have to be about are they paying me enough and, and in fact I'd rather do I'd rather do some of these other shows where it's a crowd of people who want to come see me right. and make less money than a show where it's like oh we gave away all the tickets <laughs> they're tourists from you know right Germany yeah I think you're right and I for me I, I've always had a little bit of a struggle of doing all the things I'm supposed to do because I'm I, you know I got some Greek blood in me where I'm just like ah it'll be fine you know like I'm I like to take it easy you know what are some things you're supposed to be doing that you're dropping the ball on well historically here's my here's my new program it's an old program that I invented years ago and I've recently re-embraced it it's I can't called, believe you waited this long to tell me the new program the new program it's, it's quick it's called the 10 spot so I have to do 10 units of the two things that I tend to push down the road Right for my act and exercise. So the original concept was one hour a day of writing and three exercise units a week. But I wanted to be flexible. So one hour a day of writing would be seven and three exercise, that's ten. So right. that's the ten spot. But I could do five and five or I could do eight and two. And it's two things that you want to get done in your life that, and you do it ten times sort of a week. squeezed out if I don't focus on doing And you them. divide them however you want. Could be five and five, could be eight and two, could be seven and three like you right, just described. Right, right, right. Okay. So that I have sort of a floor that at least I'm doing that amount. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a little taxing, but at the end of the week, I know that I did my work. It's just, it's just a floor. The 10 know? spot. Yeah, the 10 spot. So, so that means that three days a week, you're doing two hours. Yeah, actually for me, because my life is so weird in terms of travel and uh -huh. doing the football jokes. And there are some days where I can't do anything. So really it falls that some days I'm doing five units of something. And have you, have, now you said that you used, your original idea was to have a unit be an hour. Right. Have you reduced your unit time? No, I don't mess around with that. And, and less exercise I just count as an hour if I really commit to something. It doesn't have to be the full hour. Yeah. You know. And sometimes if I ride the bike for 90 minutes, that's, that's, a, that's a unit. I mean. I've got to work out the exact rules of this for myself <laughs> later because I feel like. Spot. I like the 10 spot. The 10 spot. You're going to do 10 units of at least two things. You probably don't want to do more than two. Maybe you could do three things. But but you want to keep it simple to get in your 10 because in that way you've got yeah. one of them you're really hitting hard or right. two of them you're hitting a decent amount if it's five and five. Right. So that's, The 10 spot. Yeah, it's good. And you can even, I'm experimenting now with being flexible with it over the course of weeks. So, like, I might do 13 units one week, and then the next week I can get away with seven. Or I know something my mom's going to visit, and I'm doing my taxes. I had that week recently, where the, both of those happened the same week. Almost nothing got done otherwise. Right. So I had to make up for it on either end. How long can you amortize out? Because I could see how it's like, <laughs> oh, look, I'm in my 30s, so I'm pretty busy. And so I'm just going to do a 20 spot in my 40s. <laughs> It's a great. We're going to Greece this summer, so I have I I have a two I have like a two or three month chart on inside of a closet on a poster board, and I'm clocking it. So it's got to be I got to be up to scratch to go to Greece. This kind of oh, so you want to get enough ten spots ahead that you don't have to do it as much in Greece? I'm gonna not do it for Greece, but I mm -hmm. want to have done. I want to average ten for every week from when Prior I started to. the project here till when we go to Greece. Okay, now. <laughs> This is the, this is really the end. We're coming really to the end. I know you want it. your wife's in the house. She's on the internet. We don't know what she may be already talking to my wife. I don't know. Um, vacations. So you're from. I had to marry a lady from outside the United States. So I've been to New Zealand a lot of times. Right. Greece sounds great. Do you go to Greece a lot? We've gone most of my life every other year for a couple weeks. That's our schedule, is every other year to New Zealand. And we, we try and go for a month, but that's going to oh, change now. I love my New wife Zealand so job. much. Oh, God, it's so nice. It's so great. Tell me about Greece, though. What do you do? Where do you go? Uh, my mom hates Athens. So we go through Athens quickly to an island. And your mom's part of it? Oh, yeah. So this is your whole family? This is the whole gang. My brother, his kids, his wife. Very often my mom and some of her friends... My family, like the whole gang, we go like every other year. 
Wow. Yeah, it's fun. So it's you and your brother, all the kids, your mom, some of her friends. Yeah. The last couple times have been a big crowd. <laughs> and do you rent a villa or a house or some kind of, do you all stay in the same place? We usually, mom usually drives this. She's very left-brained and or she organizes uh-huh. stuff. So she'll put together the hotel situation. It's it's ideal if we have a bunch of rooms kind of near each other. And then you can put the kids to bed and still like have wine on the porch and not mm-hmm. be irresponsible. And right. still have some nightlife. So mom likes to arrange all those kind of details. It's great. Great. And do you do cooking or do you not do cooking? No cooking. No, no cooking. you eat out. Yeah. It's great. It sounds great. Eating out in Greece is relatively inexpensive, and it's so good. Yeah, I went to Greece when I was uh, 16 as part of this high school student ambassador thing called People to People. But that's another story. Um, <laughs> and I loved it. I, and I would love to go later. back. <laughs> I want to go. I want to get... Do, is there... Do you ever just add in, like, friends and their families to this? Because I think I can sell this to my wife. <laughs> I think we can do this. Yeah. I think I can sell it. We'll Look, discuss. we're going to Greece. Um, <laughs> I get that uh, our daughter's really into um, the Greek heroes. Have you read the Percy Jackson books with your daughter? Oh, no. Oh, Percy Jackson. It's the Greek heroes and their oh. demigods. I can tell you all about them. But if you're listening to this and you got a kid who's in that sort of eight to ten year olds ah. when they're done with harry potter get them on percy jackson and then he's written a bunch of other books too oh, rick okay. rick reardon that's another christmas tip. future all right yeah um okay yeah. come to greece we'll, we'll run it by marge <laughs> <laughs> let's run this by march i already know about retsina and uh, what's the cheese that they light on fire oh saganaki yeah i know about <laughs> saganaki and i know you got to yell opa i love yelling opa i love it <laughs> I mean, when I'm at a Greek restaurant, I'm the first non-staff person to yell, Opa! I love it. So I'm ready to go. Okay. Um, thank you for listening to this. Thank you for being on this, Kostaki. Uh, you're great. Thanks for having no, me No, you're man. great. Um, and if you're listening, don't give up. There will be plenty of time to give up later. I, got, I know I just am cursory saying that now because I've changed the way I'm doing the podcast. We don't have as much time together to visit you and I. Um, <laughs> so maybe some more of that will happen. But d- don't give up. Meanwhile, between now and when that happens, don't give up. It's, I know you're on your own. I know it's not easy to be on your own. And I want to help you. But I'm a little busy. I've got to go to lunch. You want a high five? Yes. Nice. <laughs>